Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience. I feel like running, preaching, crying. I feel every possible emotion in this building this morning. And I want to tell you, stop seeing losses as losses and see it as God making room for the new thing. God is making room for something new in your life. And I want to really challenge you to step out in that. And during this season, lead like Jesus. As the pastors and I kind of flow through this as some teaching, we really want to see you grow and become who God would, would have you to be. Is that all right? That'd be, you'd be more than a person who attends church, but you become a, a sister or brother that you're learning, you're growing, you're developing. That's why I'm giving you homework. Because the reason why a lot of folks, they only save that church because they don't do no work at home. And so they get home and home is a wreck. But I want you to learn how to take this home, study, learn, grow, read, take notes, do all those things. Because as you engage with us, and then we'll do our midweek coaching uh, at 7.30 online, we'll do that because that way I can help you kind of push forward in your, in your walk with God. Amen. I want you to go with me to Luke 4. I'd be remiss not to mention 9-11, the day where uh, the greatest terrorist attack that we've ever known in our nation and the grace of God that shows us that even when we can't protect ourselves, God is still watching over us. Even when people don't even acknowledge God, God is still watching over us. Can you say amen? And so we thank God for his protection. Can I tell you that if I'm going to come to church, I want God to say something to me. I'm not in this for no religion. I mean, if, if I'd just rather be home watching the pregame stuff, you know, and getting ready for the game if, if God ain't saying nothing. But I want to go to church where God is speaking to me. I want you to be in a church where when you leave, you feel like God spoke to me, not some preacher. God spoke to my heart. He may have used some preacher in some way. But God spoke to me. When that happens, God gets the glory for what he does. Now, just a quick review, Luke 4, and I'll just read maybe two verses, 18 and 19, 20. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I want to announce to you that what Jesus said is true for you today. The time of the Lord's favor has come. When we were in midweek prayer online this week, Lady J said that this these verses are like Jesus' job description. They describe what he came here to do, to release the blind, to release the oppressed, to bring a word of favor to those who didn't know it was a season of favor for them. And then we talked about how if that was Jesus' job description, then it becomes ours as well. And so while we know Jesus led powerfully, that's why we're talking about lead like Jesus, because he led powerfully. 
But there was an attitude that he had that enabled him to lead powerfully. We talked last week about coming out of this pandemic, how we want you to, as a believer, to come out with a clean heart, with a pure heart, free of resentment, uh, free of unforgiveness, free of those things, that, free of offense, those things. that How many know offense, resentment, and unforgiveness keep you in the past? I won't say it again. I'm going to see if I can get more than three amens. I said that unforgiveness, offense, and resentment keep you in the past. Say, really, Bishop? Of course, because they happened in the past. And so they pull you back to a past place. As long as you are going back to the past, you can't go forward in what God has for you. This is why the enemy, have you ever noticed how the enemy constantly reminds you of the people that offended you? You ever notice that? They'll come up in your mind. You ain't even thinking about them. You ain't thought about them. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a junior boy will come through your mind and what he said to you. Or or, 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 or sister girl will come through your mind, what she said to you, how she treated you. Why? Because the enemy knows that resentment, offense, and unforgiveness keeps you in the past. And if you live in the past, you cannot walk into the future. Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, and I press forward to the things that are ahead. Now, Jesus did three things we said last week that helped him to handle what we're talking about. Number one, he refused to be a slave to his circumstances. Jesus lived in a season of great oppression. Talked about it last week. Pull the message out, it'll help you. But in that season of oppression, he would not allow those circumstances to stop him. And then secondly, Jesus refused to let his pandemic-type situation keep him from walking in the purpose that God had for him. Wave at me if you know God has a purpose for your life. Wave at me if you're learning that God has a purpose in your life. Wave at me if you want God to have a purpose in your life. You may not know it yet, but you sure hope God has a purpose for your life. I want to tell you that he does. But... The enemy will try to use everything around you to keep you from operating in the purpose God has for you. Then finally, you remember the story that we told last week of Beniah who killed a lion on a snowy day in a pit. And then after he killed the lion, he used the lion's carcass to walk up out of the pit. We said that Jesus learned to harness trouble and ride it into his future and into the purpose that God had for his life. There were three attributes about Jesus that made all of this possible. That's what we'll get into a little bit today. Jump with me to Philippians chapter 2 or follow on the screen. Only thing I ask is that if you're going to use your phone as a Bible, don't text while you don't text while reading scripture. It's like texting while driving. You have a wreck. Don't do that. Philippians 2 and 1 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? That's a question. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes. Then make me truly happy, Paul says, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Ooh, should I read that again? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. That sounds like just the opposite of what the world says. Don't be selfish. The world said, think about you. 
Don't try, to don't try to impress others. The world says be impressive. Be humble. The world says get your pride and your swag together. Think of others as better than yourselves. The world says no, you better think about yourself. Because ain't nobody else going to help you. But he's just the opposite. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5, for those of you who've been in church for a while, in the King James Version it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But I love the New Living Translation. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He took the humble position of a slave. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Lord, thank you for the reading of that scripture. Let it come alive to us. We promise to give you the credit for what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everybody agree that Jesus was a powerful leader? Would everybody agree that Jesus was an effective leader? Come on, you can't get no more effective than this, that you can take a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish and feed 15,000 people. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Popeyes can't even do that. They run out of chicken. Jesus did not run out of fish. Jesus kept the fish going. <laughs> Y'all wrong for that. Jesus kept it going because he was an effective and powerful leader. He got it done. Jesus goes to a wedding. They run out of wine. Some of y'all going to really like this story. They run out of wine. They run out of wine. They come to Mary. Mary comes to Jesus. He said, woman, what do I have to do with these four wine at their wedding? She walks away and said, whatever he tell y'all to do, just do it. He gets water, turns the water into wine. And then when they serve it, folk trip. They said, what you doing to the host? Normally, people serve the best wine first. Everybody get a little tipsy. Then they serve the raggedy wine last. The Boone's Hill. <laughs> we was in high school. <laughs> they serve that last. Because don't nobody know. They said, but you, this is a prophetic word for five people in the building. He said, but you have reserved the best for last. I need to prophesy to two people in the building that you thinking it's over. No, God is reserving your best for last. Jesus is an effective, proven, powerful leader, and he can do what no other is able to do. But here's where I need you to connect with him. Not only did Jesus save you so that you become his child, but he saved you so that you become a leader too. Because leader is influencer and leadership is influence and everybody has influence you have it whether you own it or not silliest commercial i've ever seen in my life was world famous athletes on tv talking about i ain't nobody's role model no you're an idiot 
Because nobody is on TV that much, making that much money, and ain't nobody looking at them and following their example. That's irresponsible. Everybody is a role model. Everybody is an influencer. Everybody's got somebody watching them and doing whatever they see them do. I need you to look at your neighbors and say, who's watching you? Your children are watching you. Your little cousins are watching you. Your little nephews and nieces are are watching you. And do you want them to emulate your life? And if you don't, you need to change it up. Because people don't do what you say do. They do what you do. And so you and I then become, by default, we become leaders. You can't shirk it. You can't throw it off. It ain't me. No, no. If you're a believer, you're a leader. You've got influence. And the truth is, even if you ain't a believer... You're a leader. There are people following you. So Jesus is this effective, powerful leader with integrity. He can turn water into wine. He can uh, make fish sandwiches to feed 15,000. I, I mean, he can do it. Uh, he, can, uh, he can walk on water, woke up out of his sleep and spoke to the winds and the waves and said, peace, be still. What manner of man is this that can talk in his sleep and the waves will obey him when he talks? What kind of God is this? He is an effective leader, so powerful that even the elements obey his command. Gravity stops when he steps out on the water and he walks on water because even gravity doesn't control him. He floats on water because of who he is. Y'all didn't hear what I'm talking about. This is Jesus. This is a, this is the way maker. He's not a way finder. He's a way maker. I, some of y'all just need to remind you who's living inside you. You've got the way, fi- the way maker living inside you. And so what he does, he calls you to himself said, I want you to be like me. Now, from first glance, especially in America, in the American church, was oh yeah, I want to be like him. Yeah, I want that power. Yeah, I want that influence. Yeah, I want to. I want fifteen thousand followers. Oh yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Oh yeah, bro, preach this thing. I'm gonna lead like Jesus. But until you can love like Jesus, you can't lead like Jesus. Till you can walk in humility like Jesus, you can't have the power that Jesus has. Until you have confidence that comes from the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to do what Jesus did. That's why in the beginning of our teaching on lead like Jesus, we haven't shared any leadership principles. Because too often we talk about the principles of leadership, the logistics and the and the strategies of leadership, before we talk about the attributes of a leader. Because if you're going to lead and lead like him, there'll have to be changes take place in your life and you'll have to find yourself not being quite as caught up in who you are and how people see you and more caught up in how you can add value to other people write that down say God's teaching me how to add value to other people's lives now Jesus has three attributes that we'll talk about a little bit this morning this afternoon now number one Jesus is kind Look around you, see if you can find a mean person and say, Jesus is kind. Come on, find somebody ain't smiled since we got in church. Jesus is kind. Jesus not only is kind, but Jesus is confident. Talk about what Holy Ghost confidence is. It ain't human swag. And then Jesus operates in humility. Let's start with the kindness piece and let's uh, look at Scripture. Any fellowship together in the spirit? I'm just going back to Philippians 2, uh, verse 1. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, 
loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Look at your name and say, we have to learn how to walk together. This is second service. Y'all mind if I preach this a little different than I did first service? Because, you know, y'all just a little bit more raw than first service, you know, a little bit more uncouth, really a little more, let's get it. I like y'all. Y'all are my kind of folk. And uh, so I, I, I want to get after it. How many of y'all got people in your family that's always raising hell? Always. Wave at me. Always. They keep something going. They ain't happy unless they got something going. Talk to me, somebody. How many of y'all work with folk like that? They keep something going all the time. Their cubicle is a tornado looking for something to land and destroy. They always talking. They always got something they know on somebody. And they take pride in dividing people one from the other. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. But see, those kind of hell raisers are in families. Those kind hell. I'm not cussing y'all. I'm using hell in the technical sense of the way the word uses it. Hell is the activity of demons. And so they raise hell. They keep demonic activity going all the time. It's always happening. And then they act like it's a badge of honor. Oh yeah, I broke them up. Oh yeah, they don't speak no more because of me. Oh yeah, they was getting along fine until I came along, but then I told him the truth about it. Come on, all y'all breakup artists. Where y'all at? I told him the truth about it. He didn't know that about it, but I told him that. He wasn't feeling like that after I got through talking to him. Shoo. After I talked to her, shoo, she was like, she ain't want to be around him no more because I hooked her up with the truth. I showed her, I told her the 411. I took her, I hooked her up. By the time I got finished, all that mess was over. I was sick of seeing them smiling all the time anyway. And those folks sometimes find their way into the church. And if you left First Church of the Frigidaire to come over here to CRZ thinking all the perfect people's over here, I got a rude awakening for you. There's some hell raisers over here too, y'all. Sitting right around you. You within 25 feet of one right now, y'all. Look at me. Don't look at your neighbor. Look at me. I'm trying to help you because I don't want you to have some exalted view of the church. There are folks messed up in everybody's church because there are people in every church. But I need to tell you, if you're one of those folks that keep something going all the time, I'm looking for you. I am looking for you. I'm trying to find you because here's what you're not going to do in here. You're not going to bring the kind of division that destroys people, that breaks people down, that hurts people, that runs people out. No, that's a hell you're not going to raise in here because the heaven in here is going to run you out of that. You can't operate like that here. If you're going to be here, you got to be a collaborator. If you're going to be here, you got to be a co-laborer. If you're going to be here, you got to be a teammate that says, I want to stand with people. I want to walk with people, not separate them one from another. I need 45 people to shout real quick right now. I told y'all this is a different service. I ain't say none of that in first service, but they needed to hear it too. I'm going to send them the recording. You see, if I'm going to operate in kindness, I got to kind of have the kind of heart that I'm not trying to hurt people. And when I do, I'm willing to, uh, to repent and ask for forgiveness because we're all going to mess up. And so this is not about perfection. This is about enough honesty to say, I'm sorry, 
for what I did and then make the necessary changes moving forward. Are y'all hearing me? And so he says, now, if the Holy Ghost is going to work, y'all got to work together. I need you to look at three people and say, you're going to have to love me whether you want to or not. Some of y'all sitting by your family, God bless you. I know that was hard. You're going to have to love me whether you want to or not. The other side of that coin is you need me whether you like me or not. You still need me. You ain't that bad. You can't do Christianity by yourself. You can't go to heaven alone. You're going to need a community of saints. You're going to need a tribe of saints. You're going to need a gathering of the people of God. you got to get in the body of Christ. Can I go to heaven without joining y'all's church? I don't know. But I believe you need to be connected to the body if you're going go where the head is why would you want to be amputated from the body because you can't be with the head if you amputated from the body you a toe floating out here by yourself you a ear floating out by yourself you an eyeball just rolling around on the bed looking crazy and the head is on its way somewhere with the body attached to it you're going to need other folk this idea in America that I don't need none of y'all I don't need y'all I got my own stuff I don't need y'all I'm going to do this by myself is a demonic idea it is a demonic philosophy because God created us with a deep need for other people which you will never hear me say I've been your pastor for 32 years I ain't said it and you ain't never gonna hear me say it you'll never hear me say all of y'all can leave all of y'all can go I'm gonna preach if all of y'all go I'm going with y'all. I can't do this by myself. Yes, I'm the man of God. Yes, I'm the prophet. Yes, I'm the lead pastor. Yes, I'm the founding pastor. But that does not give me authority to get the work done by myself. I need you. And I'm not just talking about your tithes and offerings. I need your prayers. I need your gifting. I need your talent. I need your love. I need your collaboration with other people. If we're going to lead like Jesus, we got to get some kindness in our hearts for each other. I need you to go to two or three people and say, I want you to know I love you in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need you to tell them right now, I love you in Jesus' name. I love you. If you got to get up to go to them, I need you to walk to somebody and say, I love you in the name of Jesus. This is the spirit of the church. This is anointing of the church. It's not, I'm going to get mine and you get yours. I had to get the Lord to bless me. You got to figure out how to get him to bless you. No, he blessed me so I could help shorten your journey. He blessed me so it wouldn't take you as long to get to where God wanted you to get to. Not in your life to raise hell in your life. I'm in your life to raise heaven in your life. I'm in your life so when I walk away, you feel better. You look better. You sound better. You do better as a result of me being around your life. I'm a heaven raiser. And you must make the switch to becoming a heaven raiser so that heaven gets raised everywhere you go. See, this is Jesus. He is, he's kind, which means he's a team player. But he's kind and he's empathetic as well. Here's what that means. It's deeper than sympathy. Sympathy says I feel sorry for people when they're hurt. And that's good. That's not, that's not bad. 
but it's not where Jesus is. Jesus doesn't just feel sorry for people when they hurt. He puts himself in their place when they hurt. He feels what they feel. That's intercession. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's standing in for someone else when I feel what you feel. And if this church is going to become the soul winning church that I believe that God intended for us to be, all of us will have to get a fresh dose of empathy in our lives. So that when we look at people, instead of minimizing them and casting them off and treating them like they're invisible, when we see them, we see ourselves. The great evangelist Dwight Moody, who the Moody Bible Institute was named after, he, uh, he, there, a man drunk in the road back in the days of horses and chariots, horses and carriages, a man drunk in the mud, in the rain. Moody is in his carriage on his way to his next place to preach. And he stops the carriage and says, go back. He gets the drunk man out of the mud, puts him in his carriage, takes him to the nearest hotel, pays the man's bill, gets him new clothes, tells the man, if he needs anything else, let me know when I come back through. You take care of it, I'll pay you back. The driver is upset and irritated. They're going to be late for their next city they've got to get to. He says, Mr. Moody, why would you stop us in an important journey to go back and help a drunk? Moody looked in that man's face. He said, if not for the grace of God, that's me in the ditch. You see, that's why I'm a soul winner. Because when I look at people, I don't see their sin. I see my face. My face morphs into their face. And when I look at somebody fresh out the penitentiary, I don't see them as somebody I can't trust. I see Courtney McBath's face without Jesus. He'd have been in the penitentiary too. When I see somebody that's an alcoholic, I don't see somebody that's a bad, evil person. I see me in their face. And I say, if it weren't for the grace of God, that's me, the grandson of an alcoholic, but I'm not one because of Jesus. When I look into the face of the gender insecure, I don't become homophobic. I see my own face and I say, if it weren't for the grace of God, that would be me. I am not who I am because of me. I am who I am because of the It hit me, y'all, all of a sudden. I realized that everything I am since I was eight years old and God saved me is only by his grace. I mean, and I ain't all that, but what little I am, it's by the grace and the mercy of God. So when I see you and you struggle, I don't have no problem with your struggle. You are not invisible to me. I'm not trying to get past you. I'm not trying to forget your face because your face is my face without Jesus. If it weren't for him, if it weren't for him, I don't know. I don't even want to think about what I'd be. I got enough issues and I got Jesus. Oh my God, what would I be without him? My heart breaks for people who are trying to survive in America in 2022 without Jesus.
would to God we'd raise up a church full of people who live every day with the empathy of Jesus. So when they brought that woman to Jesus, caught in the very act of adultery, that he put himself in her place. What I want if I was her, I'd want somebody to get in between them and me. What would I want if I was her? I'd want somebody to give me a fair trial. What would I want if I was her? I'd want them to bring the brother that they caught too, since they caught her in the very act. I'd want everybody in the in the courtroom. What would I want? I'd want somebody to stop them from stoning me. That's what I want. And out of empathy, he speaks and protects. Because he puts himself in their place. And it wasn't enough for him to put himself in the place of sinners in the three and a half years that he lived. But one day he walked up a hill and they nailed him to a cross as a substitute for every sinner that should have been on that cross. He recognized that leadership was not about him. Leadership was about who he was able to serve. And with a confidence that only comes from Jesus, no need to impress others. With a confidence that only comes from Christ. That's how we have to live this thing out. Where God wants you to be so secure in who he's making you that you don't have to impress other people. Newsflash, I'm never going to be the tallest guy in the room. I barely get that with my grandsons. That's only short-lived. That's temporary. Three months, that's over. But I don't have to be. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm never going to be the best-looking guy in the room. I don't have to be. Because he made me who I am. And I got to work on being the best me in Christ that I can possibly be. I was six inches shorter in high school than I am right now. And somebody's, are you serious? I ain't mad at you. It's true, y'all. Six inches shorter. I had some stacks. Y'all remember stacks? Brothers had shoes, it was high heels, you know, they were stacks, platform. I had some, they was two-tone cream and navy blue. So I had some stacks, y'all, some with some cream and navy blue. Had a light blue, uh, I had a light blue leisure suit with a floral shirt with a lot of colors and a big old collar came way out here. I look like one of the temptations. And I had some blowout cream in my hair. Y'all remember blowout cream? Y'all Google it. But I had some blowout cream in my hair. So what so my TWA teeny weeny afro became bigger as a result. So I got some height out of my hair too. I pushed that stuff up, pushed that up, got up here. By the time I finished, I was about five two. 
I can't afford to be 17 the rest of my life. There was a time for immaturity. There was a time for trying to be something that I wasn't. There was a time for needing, I need to impress. There was a time for that. But Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. When you become a woman, you put away childish things. You come into a season now where it's time out for that. Now I need to be the very best that God would have me to be. I, I, I got to quit y'all. Can y'all let me preach five minutes? And I promise I'll finish. Because all I want to say is this last thing about Jesus' humble attitude. And we can talk about it later. Lord willing, y'all will come back to another service and we'll talk again. But he was willing to do three things I'd like for you to write down because they'll be a part of your, they'll help you with your homework this week. That he was willing to put others first. He was willing to suffer loss. He was willing to serve at the highest level. He was willing to put others first. He was willing to suffer loss. He was willing to suffer at the highest level. So I I want you to understand that you're going to lead like Jesus. Matter of fact, you already are doing it, but you're going to get better at it. But part of what will catapult you from good to great is humility. And if you're sitting there while I'm talking, saying, well, I'm already humble. That's a bad sign. Because humility doesn't even let you say I'm humble. But I recognize I've got I've 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 to move deeper into that where I'm willing to suffer loss, willing to serve others, and I'm willing to, to serve it and suffer at higher levels. And, of course, over 50 or so years I've served Jesus, I'm, I've seen that elevate over time and grow over time. But I've also seen the influence grow and opportunities to bless people grow as well. So will you. Because God's doing something unusual in your life. Remember what I told you last week and I mentioned again earlier? He's moving out the old to make room for the new. Even a lot of stuff you've been taught, he's moving that out too. So he can start to make room for the new. So you can function in what he has for you. Now, let me give you homework for next Sunday and then we'll pray for people and then we'll go home. Or you can go outside and play games. They got games and stuff outside with the kids. But let me give you your homework. Number one, five random acts of kindness this week. Yep, five. Don't try to pile them all up to Friday. Do one each day. Five random acts of kindness. That means random, nobody deserved it. Wasn't something expected. Wasn't something that you should do. Random act of kindness. Five of them. That's your homework. Now, ain't nobody going to check in you but you. Number two, record or journal or write down one time this week when you know you had to choose between pride and humility. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't none of your business. None of your business. And then thirdly, memorize Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Lord, if all you get is verse 5, you must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. I'll take it. Philippians 2, 5. But I want you to work on Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Look not only on the 
on your own things, but also on the interest of others. I want you to do both of those. So that's your homework for this week. We'll check in on Wednesday night, Lord willing, and see how you're doing and see how I can help you process through this. Because remember what I said earlier, in this season three, lead like Jesus. I want you to feel like you're growing, becoming, getting closer to becoming the person that you were intended to be. Would you stand with me all over the building? What a great day we've had. Can we shout and praise God for this day? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I simply want to ask three questions, and I'll I'll do this rather quickly. Um, I'd like for you to hang with me and don't go anywhere unless you just absolutely have to. If you'd stay with me. You stay this long, you might as well well stay. If you're in here and you say, Pastor McBeth, I'm I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I don't think I'm right with God, but I want to be right with God. Would you slip your hand up, slip it right back down. Heads about, eyes are closed all over the building. Just up and down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're here to say, Pastor, I'm uh, I'm one of these people. I was in there, but I got away. I was serving God, but I've gotten away from God. I want to come. I want to get that right. I want to come back to where I really think I belong, back with God. But I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me, sir. Pray for me, man. I need the prayers. You're here, and the baptism thing really blessed you because you thought, man, I've I've been saved kind of on the low. I haven't told anybody. I hadn't come out of my salvation. But I guess I need to do that. I need to, Sister, the pastor earlier said that Jesus did it, so I need to do it too. If that's you and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me today because I want to have the courage to get baptized. Slip your hand up real quick, right back down. God bless you. See those hands. And then finally, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need a church home. Something that you said today pricked my heart. I realize I can't do this by myself. I need sisters and brothers. I need to be in a family. And of course, it doesn't have to be this one. There are a lot of great churches. It doesn't have to be this one, but you're here. And somehow the Lord has gotten you in this one and this one is obviously doing something for you if you're here and you say pastor i'd like the courage to make crc my church home would you slip up your hand put it right back down god bless you see those hands if you raise your hand for any of the four things i just mentioned i would like to personally pray for you but it's certainly your choice but if you'd let me pray for you today and lead you in a prayer to start moving in the right direction would you just walk up here to me? Just come and stand right up here in front of me. If you raised your hand to any of those four things I mentioned and you meant it and you'd like me to pray for you, God bless you, ma'am. Would you come? Sisters and brothers coming from all over, would y'all pray as they come? God bless you, sir. Thank you for coming, bro. Thank you, sis. Thank you, bro. I see others that are making their way. I, I, I know you all may have been in different spiritual situations where they tried to talk you into coming or told you scary stories about hell and all that, but that's if that's what you're waiting for, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't want you to make your decision because I, you got emotionally scared. and Because many times that's not authentic. I want you to come because you want change in your life. And if you do want change, it doesn't matter what the past has been. God will do it for you today. There's still folks that are coming. Would y'all pray for folks that are, on, that are coming? Just find your way up here. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. Thank God for you. I thank God for all of you all that are coming. There's still a few folks that are making their way. This is sure worth waiting for, isn't it, church? This is worth the wait. 
I don't want you to feel like I stopped too soon. And there are all kinds of, and when you come, you don't have to feel like you're on the spot. There are different people up here. There are some people up here because they're giving their heart to Jesus. Others are coming because they, what we call a backslider, somebody who was serving God and got away. Some are coming just to pray for courage to get baptized. Others are coming to join the church. So you're, nobody's putting you on blast by you coming. You just come. Sis, bro, why are you going to stand there with them tears running down your face fighting this? Won't you just go ahead and, while you're sitting there talking to yourself and letting the enemy talk you out of this by reminding you of mistakes you made in the past and all that stuff, forget all that, man. Come on and let God do something in your life. Come on, sis. Come on, let God work it out. God loves you. God loves you. He ain't mad at you. He's not going to get you up here and embarrass you. God loves you brought you here today matter of fact he got me going longer than i want to for you because he cares about you he wants to do something in your life those of you that are up here at the altar with me i'm gonna get you just to bow your head with me and i'm gonna lead you in a prayer (laughs) i'm gonna lead you in a prayer so uh there probably be other folk who try to move on up here too, but it's okay. You come on at whatever point. For those of you who are here, I'm a legion of prayer. Now, the prayer is simple. It's a prayer to ask for forgiveness of sins. And, and for some of you, you've already done that, but I can't take that chance. I don't know where you are spiritually. So I would rather you have prayed the prayer more than once than not pray it at all. So, And then we can work out the specifics of your situation when you spend some time with Chris and some of the other folks that will talk with you. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, come on, pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, I need you. I open my heart and I receive you as my Savior. I turn from sin and I turn to you. Receive me, Lord. Take over my life. Make me the person that you meant for me to be. For the rest of my life, I want to serve you. Thank you for courage to follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you for my sisters and brothers. Whatever their situation is, whatever reason they're here, thank you for working it out for them. Give them, Lord, a fresh relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text Jesus to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text guest to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.